Father, I just pray that you'd bring life into our life, Lord, as we're here today. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey, who's ever had an experience in life uh, where something has gone horribly wrong, uh, but out of that tragedy, you've had just the most amazing thing come? You know, like you've gone through it like this. You know, we just had our daughter Tallow and it was an amazing experience to have her. But her birth, her arrival uh, was preceded by a real tragedy in life. Because uh, what happened was on that Saturday, it was a Saturday that Nikki and I had been waiting for all week. We'd been waiting for this Saturday because we had planned date night. Date night, baby moon, baby was, she was supposed to come on Tuesday and we thought, hey, that's Saturday night, date night, let's do it, it's awesome. And so we, we had this one uh, pizza shop uh, that we really wanted to get pizza from. I mean, we were so looking forward to the pizza and we're waiting all week for this pizza. And anyway, the day finally comes and you finally got the kids into bed. You know that moment? Praise the Lord. And we got the kids into bed, we're like, yes, let's ring, let's order, let's order. And so we ring and it just rang out. And then we go ring again and it rang out. And we ring again, like, oh, Lord, let's wait five minutes, they're probably busy Saturday night. Anyway, long story short, I rang probably 50 times. No joke, I was, I was desperate. <laughs> it's not a joke. I got so desperate, I thought, you know what, they're probably just so busy they're not answering the phone. So I actually drove to Mullumbimby to the pizza shop. I thought, they're probably, I'm going to go and we're going to get it. We're having this date night, we're having that pizza. Anyway, I get there and the doors are shut of this thing. Tragedy has struck. We wait all week. But hey, out of that came, we ended up in hospital that night and had a baby. I mean... <laughs> How about that? Hey, God brings uh, blessing out of tragedy. You know what? The Bible actually talks about this. And in James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it a great joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials are a matter, a matter, they're just going to happen. They're going to come in life. Pizza shop being closed is a minor, minor trial, right? But hey, life is going to throw at us things that, that come. We're not like, it's not like we go looking for them, but trials just come in life. They're things that are just going to happen. In fact, if we look at that word experience, where James says, hey, we're going to experience these trials. If we look at that, the Greek word for that is this word peripepto, peripepto, and it means to fall into. It means to just, just fall into or fall amongst. It's the same word uh, that if you go to the story of the Good Samaritan, I think most of us know that, and Jesus tells this story of a, a man who's going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and the Bible says that as he was going, he fell into, or he peripepto, the hands of robbers. He wasn't uh, looking for it, he just fell into it. It's the same word used in Acts 27, 41, when Paul, who's on the ship, and that ship, it runs aground, it hits that sandbar, it peripepto into that sandbar. It's, it's something that, that's not looked for. All these texts, the context is that it's not something that they're looking for, but they've just fallen into. It's unforeseen, it's unplanned. Life just 
happened. And who here has experienced that in life? I'm sure most of us have experienced that in life. We're going along. You're just doing your thing. You're just living your life out and just falling into the hands of what feels like a robber. These trials in life that can come and they can leave us feeling stripped and beaten and bruised and confused and think, where did that come from? These trials are things that can come in all different shapes and sizes. James says that they're going to be various. And, you know, in life we're going to have trials that are all different shapes and sizes. We're going to have ones which are unique to us. We're going to have ones which are common to everybody. I didn't get enough sleep. It's common to everybody. (laughs) I can't land that tray flip. It might be unique to me. Okay, we're going to have different trials in life, things which cause us pain, things which we wrestle with, and and they're going to come in all different shapes. They're going to become, you might have people-related problems. You might have problem-related people. You might have things in your home. You might have things in your school. You might have things in your marriage or things in your family. You might have things in your workplace where you can just fall into these trials. You might even have things in church. (laughs) Trials are going to come and they're going to come in a variety. This word trial, it's got this double meaning to it, trial, okay? If If we go again to the Greek of it, trial is a word, it's Pierasmos, Pierasmos, okay, you just have to trust me here, sorry I don't have the slides done, it's Pierasmos and its first meaning is a meaning of a trying or a testing, a, a, a proving of something, that thing is being tried, it's being tested to see the condition of it, what, what condition, what bodily condition is that thing in, well let's test it, let's try it, let's uh, see what condition that thing is in, the second Uh, meaning of that word is that same kind of trying, testing, uh, proving, but there's a a definite design that that is aiming to lead towards wrongdoing, okay? There's there's a definite evil intention behind the, the, the testing of it. It's when, you know, when Jesus was in the desert and he was being tested, he was being parasmos. He was being uh, tried by Satan. There was that evil intention to take Jesus out. It wasn't just this friendly, hey, let's see how fit you are. There was an evil intention behind it. You know, there's this colourful picture of the nature of what trials uh, actually look like. And it's seen in the connection between this word parasmos in the Greek and another Greek word Pirates, okay, pirates. Now, pirates, it's a root word. It's a word where parasmos, it actually gets its meaning, okay? It's, it's where parasmos, this trial, gets its meaning. In pirates is the word where we get our English word pirate, pirate. And this is so the nature of trials. This is so what the nature of trials in life can be like. They can be like pirates that can come at our life, that can come to try and steal, that can come to try and take away the things that are precious to us. You see, pirates, they don't own it. They just come in, force their way in and come to rob us, come to strip us, come to beat you and take what you have from you. They board the ship 
They're not like invited in. It's not like, yeah, come and take my stuff. They just board the ship. They come in life. And this is, can be the nature of trials, that they can come like pirates and rob us of our treasure. But today, what I want to talk about, that, hey, if we are in Jesus, that with Jesus in our life, our trial, our trial is actually a treasure chest because there's something about trials. There's something about in the kingdom of God that when pirates come at us, we don't lose treasure, we actually gain treasure. You see, there's something amazing about God is that, that, that trials, challenges in life and God, there's this synergy between the two. Somehow God is so good that he can take trial, he can take the, the pirate, he can take the robber, he can take that thing and he works with that thing and somehow instead of us getting robbed, we end up with treasure in our life. And this is what James is getting at. This is exactly what he's saying. He's saying here, consider it a great joy. Whenever you experience various trials, I mean, the first time you come to that and read that, you've got to honestly think, this guy's nuts, right? Sure. Come, I mean, oh, this is great. I mean, does this guy understand what consider means? Consider means conclude based on the facts. I mean, some people are probably sitting here and thinking, I conclude based on the facts. James, have you seen my circumstance right now? Do you understand the situation that I'm in right now? Like, I mean, the pizza shop's closed, James. <laughs> what do you mean? A great joy. But James does understand. You see, James understands that in the kingdom of God and his economy, we don't lose. You see, he understands that, yeah, in life, we might get robbed. We might get beaten up. We might get betrayed. We might have, you know, someone come and take from us. But hey, we don't lose. We don't end up lost. So what is it then? What is it that these trials give us? What do they bring into our life? What can a trial give me? What can it produce in my life? James says, consider it a great joy whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, if I can just say, firstly, that trials will always bring us to this point where our faith is tested. Trials will always bring us to the testing of our faith. They come to that point. They bring us to that point where we have to ask ourselves, what do I really believe? I mean, when the rubber hits the road, when, like, things go belly up, okay, let's go beyond the pizza shop being closed. I mean, on your darkest day and in your worst moment, I mean, when it is like all hell is breaking loose, whether it's something that someone's done to you or whether it's something that you've done, in that moment, this is where the testing of your faith comes and the question gets asked, what do I really believe right now in this moment? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about myself? When I look at life and the reality of life, where do I draw my boundaries? How do I un make understanding of this situation? When trials come, it leads us to that point where our faith becomes tested. What do I really think about God? Is He actually good? 
if this happened to me, is he good? Is he really good? Or is he not? Right now in this moment, wow, I don't feel like you're with me, God. But your word says that you're with me. So in that moment, our faith becomes tested. Is he enough for me or is he not? And then what about me? What about myself? Whether it's maybe something that I've done, whether it's maybe my own mistake, my trial, my, that I've got myself into that situation, the testing of my faith. I mean, what do I really believe about myself? Am I loved or am I hated? Oh, we really now have to start drawing our boundaries in life and what we think and what we believe, right? This is the rubber hits the road moment, right? This is where you get defined. Your life really gets defined. This is something that's going to change you. Am I a sinner or am I a saint? Am I an orphan or am I a child? You see, this idea that our faith gets tested is something that Peter also shared this, this, this idea. Peter, the apostle Peter, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, he says that you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, but these have come so that, so that, it says in the Bible, so that there's a purpose, there's somehow God works with our trials. He says that these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith. There's a connection that God, between trials and the genuineness of our faith, between what we really, really, really believe, and, and Peter makes this connection. And he actually goes on to say, he says, hey, that moment right there in life, it's actually of greater worth than gold. You can have all the gold in the world. You can have everything stacked up. You can have it all up. But what about what do you believe? What about your faith? That is the thing in life that at the end of the day, the bank's not going to help you, but what your faith is going to help you. Because the issues and the things that we face in life, the realities of being human, money can't buy our way through those. Amen? Money can't buy forgiveness. Money can't buy healing. Money can't buy love. Nothing can, but only God and our faith in God. And so Peter says that it's of greater worth than gold. You know, ultimately, that when trials come, you know what trials do? Trials put our faith on trial. Our faith has to take the stand. And our, tr- our faith becomes trialed and it becomes tested. But you know what the awesome thing is? That ultimately, that trial, it actually, our faith brings us to the person of Jesus. It brings us to Jesus. And I love, Peter follows this this thing, you know, this this testing of faith, these trials. Verse 8, he goes on to say straight away after, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. Just listen to the emotion in it. If, though you haven't seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. 
Something about that trial that it took, it got tested, my faith got tested and it brought me to the person of Jesus. And, and if you've been there and you've been to that place and you've gone to Jesus, friends, you come out of that place and you say, hey, I haven't seen him, but I love him. It drew me to Jesus. And when I connected with Jesus, it filled me with something. It filled me with something, an inexpressible and a glorious joy. Verse 9, Peter goes on to say, For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, we could put that in reverse. It might help you understand this a little bit. Your soul, your soul is saved when your faith brings you to Jesus. Because your soul, when, when your soul, through your faith, brings you to person of Jesus, you don't stay. No, you get filled up with a joy because you see Jesus and Jesus takes you up out of whatever it is, whatever the pit, whatever the trial, whatever it is, Jesus takes you up out of it and you are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. And no bank can give you that. No person can give you that. Only Jesus can give you that. So that would be good enough, right? If we just stop there, let's just worship. But, you know, it, it just goes on. God uses it to do even more within our life. It, it does something. It gives us something. It produces something in us. Our faith gets put on trial. It gets tested and it brings us to Jesus. But two other things. James says it puts in us a perseverance, it develops within us perseverance, a steadfastness, an ability to be able to just stand. The word in Greek is hippomone, and it means that the characteristic of a man or a woman that is unswerved, do you love that word? Unswerved from his deliberate purpose. Hippomone, I have stood, I am persevering. You see, Jesus enables us to be able to persevere, to be able to love again, to be able to forgive again, to be able to continue on. And it does something within us that says, hey, I'm not going to be swerved. And that perseverance, James goes on to say, that actually produces something. You see, trials produce perseverance, but perseverance actually produces something as well. Can you see it? It, it rolls down. Jesus used this term, hippomone, in a couple of occasions in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 8, he says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by hippomone, by perseverance, produce a crop. Produce a crop. Luke 21, 17, 19, all men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, by hippomone, by stepping forward again, by standing there, by not being shaken, by not moving, by just committing to it, Jesus says, you will gain life. You get something. There's increase. And so James, he says in verse 4, perseverance must finish its work. It's work. Can you say it's producing something? It's doing something. And perseverance has got to finish its work. James goes on to say that work is to make us mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that idea here is this idea of something coming to, 
to reach its intended purpose. It's, it's come to the place where that thing, the creation of that thing has actually reached its intended purpose, what it was made for, what the creator had in mind when it, when it built it. It's become full grown. It's like if I take, say, an apple seed, I take an apple seed and I put that apple seed in the ground, it's got to go through all this stuff before it can actually reach its full maturity and completeness, its intended purpose. It's got to grow and it grows up and it gets a trunk and it gets branches and it gets leaves and it goes through all these seasons and all these different uh, things that have got to happen. But eventually that, that seed, which started as a tiny seed, it will reach its intended purpose to be an apple tree that produces fruit. And that's this idea that... Um, James is getting at and this is exactly how God uses the trials in our life to bring treasure you see he hijacks them he hijacks trials to bring about the intended purpose that he created us for he uses them to shape us and to mold us and to make them the 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 thing with God is that God doesn't send them God isn't one who sends uh you know these disease or difficulty so much, but he, he is enable, he's able to work with them. He, he's that good. He's that awesome. He's that sovereign that even when tragedy, when the trial, not looking for it, remember, but when it comes into our world, he's that good that he works with it to actually bring about our full purpose, who he sees in his eye. You know, for Nix and I, last year on March the 10th, we had a trial that we fell into. We, we had to go through the horrific pain of the miscarriage of a child. And for those who are here in the room and, and you've been through that, you understand the pain. You understand the disappointment. You know, there's, we were so excited. You're so excited. You're awesome. You're, things are going great. I think we were about 10 weeks along. You know, you're telling your friends and your family and you're excited. You're just like, this is, you're so pumped. I mean, you're just looking forward to it. And on that day, on on March the 10th, we had to go in and get the ultrasound. And I can't remember exactly where, I think we were 11 weeks. And uh, to sit there in the room and to have the person doing the scan and looking on the screen and know heartbeat or anything and for them to just say sorry but the child's not alive the child's dead that moment that that pain is so real you know it's something you you're not looking for you're not ready for that you don't go to that appointment like yeah I'm ready for that that's not what you're ready for and and that pain is 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 so real you know things in life can miscarriage that bring pain, you know, we can have miscarriage of a baby, we can have miscarriage of marriage, we can have miscarriage of opportunities and friendship and the pain of it is real. I just want to just be honest, the, the pain, it hurts. For Nix and I, it hurt. I mean, that, that rocks your world. And the thing though for Nix and I, and it's amazing, even Nikki said, God's going to bring treasure out of this as soon as we got in the car. But it sent us to our knees. I don't know where you go or what you do when the pirate comes. 
But for us, we went to our knees. We didn't know what else to do but just to go to our knees and, and, and to just pray. But you know, when we went down and got on our knees, you know where we went? We went up to the sky. Because, see, when you go down, when you go down and you go down to seek the Lord, in that moment, friends, you actually go up. You go up to a higher place and you see a whole nother place. And for Nikki and I, we discovered again, afresh, that there is a hope that it goes beyond the grave. That even though the enemy can come and try and rob from us, there is a hope that goes beyond the grave and that that child of ours is actually in a place far better than we are right now. And I just remember being in our room, in our living room, we had some friends come over, we brought a guitar and we just went, we just went there and we just worshipped. And I, I don't know if I've ever been that high <laughs> before. But when you connect with Jesus and the peace and the joy that he just puts within you, even in that moment, you see, it brought us to the place where all we had to do was go after him. Awesome thing is, the due date that we were given for tallow, and this is just one of those little God cherries on top that we just like, it just breaks your heart when God does that stuff, is that the due date that we were given for her was March the 10th, exactly one year later. And it's just one of those amazing things that God does. You know, those trials in life, they're not pleasant. That moment's not a pleasant moment. It's, it's not something that's, oh, wow, this is enjoyable. Pain is, is real. But there's something that's so real about the kingdom of God. There's something that's so real that those words that we just read in the Bible, consider it a great joy when you face trials of many kinds, can be true is because that in the hands of God, our trials do become a treasure chest. Our trials actually become a treasure chest. And somehow in God's sovereignty and His goodness, out of this cursed and broken world, He's able to bring goodness. Only a good God can do that. Only God can do that. You know, but the challenge is for us that we have to be able to go beyond the treasure chest and find the treasure. You see, there can be so much stuff surrounding the treasure, the gold that's in there, the thing in there for us, the treasure that's in there. There can be that wooden box. There can be all the pain or the hurt and all the disappointment is what can be around it, that can wrap around it. And, but we need to be able to go beyond that into the treasure box and get the treasure out. But it's only with Jesus. It's only Jesus who enables us to actually go beyond the wood and to find the treasure. We can't find it ourselves. We need Jesus because Jesus is the one who, in a wooden cross, he saw a treasure chest. He was the one that he embraced the trial that was for him. He embraced that trial and he took that trial and God's sovereignty worked through it. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was robbed of his dignity. It wasn't something, I mean, it's it's the classic pirate that Jesus came and, and, and he took that wooden cross and as he's carrying it up the hill to be crucified, I think when men looked at it, it looked like, oh, the plan of God is being pirated. As Jesus is stripped and, and naked and beaten and dragged through the streets, 
the darling of heaven, God's son, the miracle worker, the perfect, the blameless one, being mocked as he walks up a hill with a cross on his back. It looked like God's plan was being pirated. But Jesus had different eyes. You see, Jesus didn't see what mankind saw in that moment. Jesus could see something different. Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Set before him. Set before him. He could see something. He could see something and it caused him joy. That even when that trial was on his back, that cross was on his back, you know what he could see? He could see the church. He could see you and he could see me. He could see our freedom. He could see our healing. He could see our redemption. And he thought, yes. He saw the joy. He could see for the joy set before him, he endured it. And so Jesus, he didn't see a a wooden cross. He saw a treasure chest and he thought, we're going to rob that thing. We're going to take that thing. So good. I might ask the band to come up and I'm going to into land. How do we find the treasure in our trial? How do we actually find it? How do we go beyond the wood? Hebrews, in chapter 12, it says how. It says simply, we just fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. You see, we fix our eyes on the one who suffered. Jesus is not far removed from our pain. I mean, this is the gospel, this is grace, this is the part that doesn't make sense, that the one who didn't deserve it, the one who was in heaven, embraced the suffering. He came and lived among us, and he walked among us. He saw our pain. He so humbled himself, and identified himself with us that he went through the pain. That he remained silent as they beat him and as they accused him. He embraced it and he went through it. And so we fix our eyes on him, fix our eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus came out of that trial and he came out victoriously because Jesus did something. Jesus looked up and he looked to God and he looked to the Father and he looked to the one who is good. He looked to him and it was the Father's faithfulness to Jesus. You go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38. And Jesus is in the garden and it's right before his trial is about to happen. It's right before they're just about to come and take him and take him away. And he's in the garden and Jesus says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He was so in the thick 
of his most painful moment in his life, that his soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. In verse 39, though, it says that he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. And he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. The pain was real. Jesus was asking the Father, Can you get me out of this pain? If it's possible, if it's possible, the pain was real. But you know, as Jesus went down, he actually went up. In that moment, he, when he went down, he actually went up and he went up and up and he went over the pain. He went beyond the pain. He went over the, whatever it was. He went over and then he began to see something. He began to see the Father. He began to see the goodness and the beauty and the majesty and the wonder of God. He began to see the Father in that moment because he went down, he went up. And Jesus says, but not my will, God. But not my will, God. Whatever it is that you've got planned in your heart, God. Whatever it is that you've got, because I'm looking at you right now and you are good. And I know that this trial is painful, but man, you are too good. And I'm just going to put all my faith and all my trust in you. God, not my will, but let your will be done. Let the maturity and the completeness, whatever my purpose in life is, God, you're going to work through this. You're going to bring treasure out of this trial. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And he endured. He went and he endured that trial. He endured that trial and he went right down into the grave. He went right down into the worst place that humanity can possibly be. He went right down into death, to brokenness. He went right down. You see, this is where everything changes. This is where... For Christianity, it's a whole different story. This is where, for us, friends, we're here today, no matter what trial you've got, friends, you've got hope. Because even in that trial, in that grave, you see, he went down right into it. It looked like the pirates had taken over. It looked like everything was done. He was in the grave. But you see, our trial is a treasure chest. Jesus' trial, though he went down, God put his hand down into that grave and he robbed that grave of all that it had in there. And that Jesus came up out of that grave and he was risen to life. You see, the power of God is the resurrection power that nothing is ever over with God. Nothing is ever over with God. And Jesus is alive today. And Jesus is here today. And that resurrection power is available for you today. It is here right now. It is here today. There is no trial. There is no disease. There is no nothing that God is not able to bring His resurrection power and transformation. 